When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first review I ever read of Desperado, the only thing they said about me was that I was a bombshell. And Salma Hayek is a bombshell. And I started sobbing because I thought it meant a bomb, like no good, like destroy the movie. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. This week, I'm talking to the one, the only, Salma Hayek, who moves through the world with such self-assurance she could be a life coach. This is not very formal, Salma. Welcome to Ladies First, where we talk to women who are first in what they do. And you're first in so many things, I can't even list them. But what I want to talk to you about and what I really, what I love about you so much, you like eat life, not physically. (laughs) <laughs> I do that too. I do that too. But, you know, you are, have always just been completely in it from whatever, forever age you started, wherever you are now, you have just been sort of, I don't think it's, it's a cliche that word present. I think that's too American and, and weird, but it's like, no, no, present is a good word. You just show up and you are, you're there. But have you always had that Obviously, getting getting known and having success can firm you up in a lot of ways. But when you were younger, were you always just kind of throwing yourself at, at things? Not always, no. I thought maybe I was. And I, I was to some degrees. But I also watched some of the old videos of myself. I don't know, the time... They were super eights that then were turned into videos. That's how old I am. <laughs> but, you know, I, I I think around eight, nine to maybe 14, 13, or maybe even later, I didn't look as, like, you know, alive or confident or... I've always been a good observer. I think a lot. I think a lot. I take things. I've always been thoughtful since I was very little. What were you doing in these Super 8s? What are these, what's in these films? Sometimes it's my birthday parties, but uh, I look kind of shy, quiet, you know, paying attention, happy, but not, you know, a little bit more shy. But I think that I was always passionate about things because When I was eight, I come from a small town in Mexico and I didn't know there were a lot of sports that existed. Right. You know, it was (laughs) pretty much like a lot of soccer. (laughs) I knew about tennis and soccer, but I didn't know there was uh, gymnastics. Bendy. Didn't know you could be bendy. No, I, I knew you could be a dancer. They had ballet classes. One ballet class. You did one and then you were like... No, no. Oh, you There was one in the entire town. My cousin went, but I I didn't go. But then I was uh, watching the Olympics and it was so exciting to discover so many sports. And that's where I discovered gymnastics. What was your first thing? 
What was your first? I think maybe the, the car wheeled, but I became obsessed with it. Obsessed. So I taught myself for a year, but I remember that when I used to put shorts under my uniform and at recess while everybody was playing and doing things, I take a shock, a chalk and write a line. And I would make that my balancing bar. And then I begged my father to take me to Mexico City for the summer instead of going on another vacation and put me in a gym. And I wanted classes from the last day of school to the first day of school. I just wanted to go to Mexico City and learn gymnastics and go to a gym. And by then I had taught myself quite a few things. And it turns out that they they said, does she have any ex- experience? What What's her level? What was your level? Well, they said beginners were, which I was so insulted. I had worked so hard, but because of my age, they put me in beginners and I, I worked my way up within a summer and I learned really fast and I was really focused, but here comes the best, Laura. Yeah. Cause this, this marked my life. By the end of the summer, a man approached my father and he was Romanian and he, he said, your daughter has the potential to go to the Olympics and actually even maybe win. What was your age then? Nine. He said the way her brain is wired and the determination and the love for what she does, the passion for it, but with like restraint of like her body, her genes, her genetics, I was flexible stuff. And so they drafted me into a team where I would have to stay in Mexico City. They would provide accommodations. I would be like in a boarding school for gymnasts and they would provide me the studies and train six hours a day. And my father said no. And what did you think? I was devastated. I was devastated. He said that he didn't want to take away my childhood. But I didn't want a childhood. I just wanted to do that. So I think that really marked me. I went back to my little town. And what did yeah, what did you do? What was the next expressive thing that you did? I was sent to summer camp the following year. So when I was 10, and then there was horses. I had never jumped in the horses. And again, I, I won the competition and I'm... I've, I've always been crazy about horses and I was riding before, but like with the Mexican, it was a different kind of riding. And again, I went back to my town. So I think because of these two experiences, especially the gymnastics, I decided to get out of my town and do something with my life and, and dream big, dream big, you know? And propel yourself like a self-propelled engine. That's fascinating to see an opportunity that you think you want at the time denied. Where was this next thing? Because you, of course, g- g- gymnastics has a performative element to it. Horses, there's a performative element to it. No, because uh, you see, my passion was not, and my heartbreak was not, not to go to the gymnastics, but not to have the ability to do it. We didn't have the equipment, the bars. So the performative was more. It was more like an internal thing of loving something and being so limited to do it to the best of your ability. It was not, I have to perform, have to get out there and 
make, make it be, dream big because it was like growth. The dream in terms of, I want to see how far I can do things, but it was always more like an intimate kind of desire, more like internal. How ambitious were you when you were young? Was it like, I'm going to go out into the world, you know, and do it? Or was it like, I want money? I just wanted to go to a place where I could actually do the things I wanted to do because there was not, I was not very competitive and I was not very ambitious. It was more like an internal. That's why I was trying to explain to you. It was more like an obsession, like a passion and a drive, a drive. And, and actually when I went into acting, which I love acting, but I, I think, and I figure it out many years later, my passion was movies. Right. It was not acting. And the thing is that they didn't have a film industry in Mexico when I was there. So my ambitions to get out of the soaps, because I was very successful. You have to realize that I went from being very successful to an extra, to an extra. I was famous and I was an extra, but I was famous in something that I, that it's not what I wanted to do. I prefer to be an extra in something I really wanted to do. Tell me about when you first arrived in LA and what was the first, the physical first job, first extras job you booked? What was that day like? How did it feel? I think the first one was a movie that I actually got the opportunity to audition for and it was called Mi Vida Loca. Uh, It was an ensemble piece. And there were three or four girls that I could have played. And I auditioned for the four because the director, Alison Anders, loved me and really wanted me in the movie. But at the end, she said, there's something about you that doesn't fit with the rest of the cast. Yes, there's something like you're in something in your energy that doesn't quite fit. She goes, your acting is the best. You do all the parts well, but when I put you with the other, the rest of the group, it doesn't feel right. So I was really sad because I auditioned for a long time. And so finally I asked her, would you give me two lines so that I can get my SAG card, SAG eligible? My insurance? And she said, yeah, there's, you can be one of the girls of El Duran and I'll give you a line, which was bravo, bravo, El Duran. And so that's how I became an extra. But somehow I kind of was very memorable, even though I was one of the girls. So what what did you characterize as your first success? I mean, maybe it was that or maybe when something like when you really felt you got your rhythm going like in L.A. I never got the rhythm going, but my first big break was Desperado. The problem is that I thought, oh my God, I have a lead with Antonio Banderas and they didn't pay me much money, but it's okay. I can spend it because now they're going to, I'm going to be working all the time and it doesn't work that way. From the time you shoot it to the time it comes out, it's really hard for the money to last because it's like a year. Yeah. What did you do? Did you have to scrimp it? I think that's a myth that people think, oh yeah, she's a movie star now, you know, and you're like, actually, I'm. Having, I'm paying my bills and I'm having to, to save. No, it was like, I'm not paying my bills. I'm not paying my bills. 
the studio was trying to put some of girls that were not Latina. So you have to re- remember the context in which I arrived. So it was like, for them, it was like, oh, that was a very one special movie that they had. This rare you know, a, thing, yeah. A female lead. Yeah. And so it didn't happen again for a long time. And then I had another one called Fools Rashin. But in the mean, in the middle, I did um, From Dust Till Dawn, which again was a very small part, you know, but memorable. <laughs> you know what? You have a good way of doing that. You just come in and you go, and then everyone goes, whoa. Uh, but-, but no, Nora, it doesn't work that way because it was memorable. In Europe, there was a chain. I think it's in Germany, a chain of bars named after my character. And I made more money. I, I ate for years. You could get the bar. Oh, you had a share because, of the bars? The licensing? No, I wish. No. But they were using my image everywhere. So they paid for using my image. And I got a piece of that. And that was much more than what they paid me in the movie. And much more than what I was making in any of the acting jobs, even though like a lot of the times I did movies that, oh, she's one of the most likable uh, characters in the movie with Esther or the most likable. And after like the fourth time they said it to my manager, I remember she saying, oh yeah, by the way, you're again, one of the most likable, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Also like breaking news, you are, have always been very gorgeous. And at the, you know, especially in those early days when you are like, she's the hot lady in this movie and whatever. What was it like to be seen? You know, obviously it's lovely to have people think that you're attractive, but you know, did that, how did you start first computing that you were seen like this bombshell gal, you know, in these early films? And did you enjoy, I guess it's enjoyable to a degree. Does it mess with you, frankly? The first review I ever read of Desperado the only thing they said about me was that I was a bombshell. And Salma Hayek, and Salma Hayek is a bombshell. And I started sobbing because I thought it meant a bomb, like no good, like, you know, destroy the movie. Because I didn't know that term. Like if you think with a, from another language, it's a bombshell. Yeah, of course, like, like, a, like a disaster. A disaster, you know, and it's the leftover. It's not even a... It's the, the leftover. And I said, oh, I'm so embarrassed with Robert. You know, he put so much faith in me. And he said, no, that's good. That's good. And I'm like, it is? Yes, that means you're sexy. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I said, is that all? That's all. But that's all they said, you know? I, and then it was like, well, I guess it's better than I destroyed the movie. But did that happen often, you know, that you had to go, is that all? Well, after I was nominated for an Oscar for Frida. Then? No, no. That was the shocker. Nobody offered me an acting part. What, it was what is your the theory sexy. on this? I mean, you can't, I mean, yeah, sure, you're sexy, great. But, like, that's marvelous. But you re- <sighs> look, and obviously you had the whole Weinstein situation and all of that you've spoken about and written about. And- but what 
No, we cannot blame it. I'm not blaming. I'm just talking we, about the circumstances. We cannot blame it all on Harvey. No, okay. I'm just saying he has enough. We can blame for, but the, <laughs> but I'm just the, saying the, you the, had the, a tricky a tricky time doing that film. You obviously were validated for the film because it was beautiful and you did it, and it was everything that you wanted. I hope I hope everything you wanted it to be. So, what's your theory on why people were on why that happened? Why you were still bombshelling? I think that at the time. People were not ready to acknowledge or give credit to Latin women for more than that, even if they saw it, even if they knew it, even if it was undisputable. They maybe started taking it in, but then that didn't mean that they were going to accept it to the point where they would open a door. How did you respond to that? How did that feel? Well, I felt a little bit like we were all missing out, not just me. We were all missing out. And not just because they were not hiring me, but they care a lot about money and they were missing out on a huge market that they refused. You say, Why would they not just, they would not acknowledge it or do something about it? Why would they not acknowledge the market of a Latino community that it it was 40 million people? That's the thing. Even if you only care about money, that's what I'm sure is is even more like enraging about the whole situation. It's like even, okay, movie boss X, if even if you only care about money, you're still making a dumb decision. Yeah, I mean, is it racist? Yeah, but above all, it's stupid. <laughs> they were. I'm sorry, they were stupid. They were stupid. I mean, I know I can't, can't, can't get you to, to characterize 20 years in 25 words or less, but, you know, 20 years later with sort of hindsight and with so much of the progress that has been made, how do you feel about what you do and what you're offered now? Well, 30, I was thinking 20 years since Frida. In your arc of 30 years, tell me about how how you feel about it now, what you are doing and what you want to do and what you're able to do. I'll tell you, let's start with how I feel about what I did. I'm really proud of what I did because if I had gotten angry, if I had given up, if I had gotten bitter, then maybe what's happening today, not just to me, maybe it wouldn't have happened. You would have um, cut yourself off or, you know, retreated maybe? No, if maybe if it hadn't been enough of us, what we did, the few of us that were there, when everybody said, it's impossible, you're crazy to think this is going to happen. Especially if you had an accent. They literally like say Penelope that to you. And I. Yeah, I was going to say Penelope, you and you and Penelope, great friends and allies for so long. Yes, but the difference is that Pe- Penelope had a European successful career in films. So there, that helped a lot because she was working with like great directors and that were uh, critically acclaimed. So that helped a lot. And then there was also Jennifer Lopez and afterwards Eva Mendes. And I'm sorry if I'm forgetting, but 
and Rosario Dawson also, she started as a little kid, you know. So there's not that many. Did you have a club? <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of. Penelope and I were allies from the beginning. Jennifer is a different kind of personality. She's like an incredible hard worker, you know, but it's just a different type of personality. Penelope and I were more like, and also we had the language, you know, she did have the same problem, you know. And yeah, Penelope and I still have the club. Wait, what's it? What do you do in the club? Tell me about a club meeting. Did you call it to order? (laughs) (laughs) We, okay, I'll tell you about the club meetings. We like to FaceTime. At any time? (laughs) At any time. Yes. No, 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 no. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. They can be very long conversations. So we're walking around the house, cooking. So then you put the phone and you keep talking. You you would do errands. People coming and asking, no, wait, 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 wait. And, And we're like sometimes in bed, like we don't care. She calls any given moment. I, here comes, here comes one of the kids. Say hello to Salma. I hear Valentina come. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's just very casual. It's just, it's lovely to have, you know, especially look in an industry where one, you were a minority for so long, two, traditionally and, and cliche wise, very competitive. And when people are looking at you and judging you on all different things all the time, to have an ally, a buddy for as long as you guys have had is really extraordinary and, and, and really rare. No, but the thing is that what's wonderful is that I don't think there's anyone in the entire world that can understand what I've gone through professionally as an immigrant in another country. No one in the world can understand me like Penelope. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. Salma Hayek is talking badass bombshells and some other words that are barely legal. I was reading your, your cover story for us and, and talking about getting married and, and it made me, the, the, the quote you said, you've been married how long now, you guys? We've been together 15 years. 15 years. And the quote that uh, one of your friends was like, you know, I really love fashion and everything. And how did you end up marrying the fashion man? <laughs> all my friends were fashionista. And he said, out of all of those, how was it you that landed this guy? When you were starting to become known and visible and how, frankly, how vain are you? Or do you have to be when you are having to be out there? You're in a, in a movie. You got to look cute. You got to go on the red carpet. Were you very efficient about it? Are you very efficient about it? How well have you rec- reconciled the presentation part of all of this? I'm very practical. I can be lazy, but I'm also very professional. So I don't do that in my real life. But I do know that the audience like to see that, you know, and I'm a pleaser. So I make my best effort in a very practical way when I have to be in a cover, when I have to do the red carpet. 
but not when I'm around at home. I love it when you're on, um, who knows what's happening with the award shows now, period, but at the times when you've gone up to present an award at the Oscars or Globes and you just come up there and in like a red thing, and I always just go, ah, we're welcome. <laughs> but you know what, Laura? I fool you well because... I'm taking it. I'm in for it. Let me tell you, I have terrible stage fright. You do. What is it about? Just a, about a live crowd gives you the willies? I, I die. It's really from the night before, days before. But you don't see it. I get up there and I pretend like I'm fine. No, you but- look fully and everything is all together. And it's it's like you look like one of the most commanding people doing that. So well done on the acting. I guess. <laughs> Thank you. So now you've got two action movies out. So how do you how do you um, manage your time filming with with Valentina and being in Europe? And you film in Europe now, pretty much exclusively. Is that right? <clears throat> no, I I film as long as I am not apart from my family for more than two weeks. And so, for example, I film anywhere in the summer. Or small parts that they put everything together. I take those because that's convenient for my family and I can't keep working and enjoy it. And I just finished The House of Gucci with Ridley Scott. That was great because it's, it's, we shot in, in Rome, which is not far from home. And uh, I was able to you know, be there, but not for a long time. So it, it works out perfect. Um, how ambitious are you now in terms of being an actor or a producer or a creator or a mother? What do you want to do? What What's really lighting your fire creatively now? Directing. Mm, go on. I want to direct. And I wrote a movie and, I, and hopefully I'm going to do it next year. Any clues? I'll tell you, it's a very ambitious movie. Is it in space? No, but it's as ambitious or more, as expensive or more. It's not like a little independent film, I can tell you that much. You've done that. You, sh- you need to be flagrant. You know what I mean? That's what you should, that's what you should be doing. No, I should do a story that means something to me. And why should I diminish it, Laura? Why should I say, oh, no, I should only do this kind of film? No, I I didn't think, well, I need to think of an idea to direct. No, an idea came to me, invaded me and said, oh, I have to direct this. And so it's ambitious in that way, but it's not ambitious. It's because it's organic to what my inspiration was, not because I decided, oh, I'm going to do a very big film. No. Right. But you've just characterized, I think, my original theory when you just said, why should I diminish it? You know, why should you diminish anything? But that's what, that's why you're you and are uh, as loved as you are, because you don't diminish things. No, I'm okay with not doing it, but I'm not okay with diminishing. I can negotiate. You're going to do the half ass. I can negotiate to a certain degree, maybe. Let's see how much I have to sacrifice. But yeah. No half like, ass. You want the full ass, not the half ass. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Look at mine. <laughs> so we talk about um, something in Insta for which you were eminently qualified called badass women. What does badass mean to you? What does the word badass mean to you? Well, imagine 
if we were in the times where I did Desperado and they said, she's a badass, I would have cried again. I said, oh my God, they're criticizing my derriere. They, they, I have to work out more. I have to go on a diet because they don't think it's good or, you know. <laughs> she's a badass bombshell. <laughs> it's a badass bombshell. It's like the worst. Why? I mean, just like I don't understand why people call Richard's dick. If you come from another country, it's like, what? oh my God, what'd you say to the little boy? Dick, come over here. Oh my God. You know, he like, this is Dick. If you, <laughs> hi, meet Dick. <laughs> and then there's the big I'm Dick. dick. And little, I'm dick. Uh, yeah, I'm big Dick. And this is my son, little <laughs> Dick, you know, he's a smaller Dick. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what is, what is this thing? <laughs> but I mean, badass. I guess what it means, not literally. It's uh, somebody strong and courageous, and that someone you don't want to mess with. You know, who do you think is a badass? Jane Fonda. I mean, OG. <laughs> I don't want to mess with her. I love her. She's amazing. And she's like, calm. Yeah, whatever. Bring it on. Like, nothing's going to, like, Unfazed, shake me. But always in full yeah. makeup. That's what I love about her. She's, like, full makeup. Like, all the time. Jane Fonda, she has to be the ultimate badass, I think. Oh, also, speaking of badass, it wasn't a woman, but um, how did Anthony Hopkins end up in your house the day after he won an Oscar, twirling around? No, he was he was not in my house. I was shooting in Italy and he had just arrived in Italy in another city the day after the Oscar. Oh, he was there for a second or I don't know for how long. He's going to be in my movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is all not working out for you. Oh, it's so <laughs> deeply sad. Tell me quickly about Instagram and then I want to do something called 10 first, which is just a silly little thing. So Instagram, what are we on? 17 point something million. And, and, and I was just like loving, um, all your swimsuit ones do very well. Yeah, they do very well. And uh, I can't imagine why. Why could you? Why do you think they do well? Well, I can I can tell you. I'm not putting any up right now because I had to gain a lot of weight for the Gucci. For movie. the Gucci movie. How did you do that? What's that like? Can you just go oh. for it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that that's the fun it's bit. Great. Yeah, because all of a sudden it's like, really? Can I eat? Everything I want and have a good excuse for it. Oh, it was so liberating. Now it's the problem. Now, now it's like, what was I thinking? But you know that theory, you know, they say as you get older, you choose between your ass or your face. But you don't want to be too skinny because your face goes all... <laughs> it's a rich tapestry. All right, let's do this. It's called 10 Firsts, and it's just 10 silly questions about silly things. Okay, you ready? Go. First drink you order. Tequila. Mezcal. Mezcal. Please elaborate. How do you have it? Oh, any which way you serve it, baby. <laughs> I love it. I like it actually uh, straight. When was the last time you did shots? Last night. But I don't do shots. Actually, I have it in the, sh in the shot glass, but I sip. I, I can't tell you when is the next time I'm going to have it. Go on. Tonight after I finish at after midnight because of the time differences. Yeah, have to. Okay, yes. Okay, first thing you look at on your phone in the morning. The time. Oh, God, your straightforwardness is the best. The next thing I look at, 
a text from my publicist and from my office, my production office, because, you know, they stay working while I'm asleep. You wake up and you're haunted. They, they're the first ones to work. That's the first thing I see, like a chat group of 20 people. But you know what's the worst when you go up, you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and <gasps> your phone is don't. like, and if you, ta- if you take a look, that's it, I don't sleep. And I start calling them at four or five in the morning. No, no, what? no, 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 no. It's hard. Yes. It's hard that the time. Difference. I know, I know. But that's the, when you, you got to live that gorgeous European life, baby. That's true. That's true. You got to live where, where the love is. I'll Can you say you, that again? Because it was very profound. You got to live where the love is. That's where you got to live. Okay. Um, first person you call. I have to tell you, I wake up really early. So I still get to call Pepe Chivon, which my company and sometimes Kimbo and Kili in the production side and I have a friend called Heather that's my go-to after I hang up with them because they've gone to sleep and I love talking to Heather like when everyone's sleeping here and everyone's sleeping in LA it's right at that time where no one's woken up here but everybody else is sleeping there yeah okay first joke you remember oof Oh my God. I, I remember the character, but I don't remember the joke when I was a little girl. There, there was a character in Mexico called Pepito. And people used to tell jokes about Pepito. Some were not for kids, but some were for kids. And they were really stupid. Pepito was a, uh, a little boy that misbehaved a lot. Pepito. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm going to Google him. Okay. And see if I just fall about laughing. Okay. First and most recent, and this is interesting because you get lots of dresses and things all the time, but first fashion splurge, first thing you bought and you were like, ooh. You know, I remember my first Chanel attire that my mom got me. I was young. Oh, wait, my quinceañera dress. (gasps) Oh, go on. Describe. It was not like the regular quinceañera dress. It was like the top designer in Mexico at the time. We had it done in Mexico City and it was pink, but not too pale. And it was beautiful. It was like a wedding, but it was not too... Not too froofy. No, it was actually really cool. Do you still have that anywhere? No, I don't know. No, I don't think so. It could be like, Valentina! (laughs) <laughs> I know, I wish. Oh, I, how I wish I so had she's gonna, it. She's going to have one in, what, two years? Yeah? Yeah. What are you going to do? Tell me Tell me here. Tell me first. Actually, if you think about it in a year, because she's going to become 14 this year, so... What would be your ideal consignera for her? I don't even dare to go there, Laura. Do, do you have any teenage girls? You think you're going to make a 15-year-old girl of today wear what you want? I let her be creative and be herself and find her own. Yeah, good luck to you on that one. Uh, what was something you wore recently that just made you feel glorious? I know we haven't been wearing much because we've been like locked in the house, but. I, you know, I love one of the outfits that I wore in the InStyle shoot. I actually love the velvet suits. Oh, yeah. That's the cover of the black velvet suit. Okay, first time you owned your shit. Oh my God, I don't want to know what that means. Owned, you owned your shit like when you really stood up for yourself, when you really like felt like you knew things. Oh, oh, you know, when I decided to go follow my dream no matter what, even if I ended up as an extra. Okay, first date. 
first date, in my head, it was Victor Eduardo Tubilla, which it, it was the prince in a, in a kind of play celebration of uh, spring. And we got to da- dance and we were like about six. And as far as I'm concerned, at that time, it was my date. And then nothing else happened until you got married. Okay. First thing you do or eat if you're stressed out? Chocolate. Okay. What is it? Is it there? What is it? <gasps> is, there, is it almonds? Melt. No, no, no. This one has got, uh, what is it? Orange inside. Very nice. Okay. First thing you'll do when you can really be free and travel and this, this COVID is completely done. Thankfully, we're getting there. Oh, gosh. I'm going to travel, but I don't know where to. Oh, yes, I do know where I'm going to do. Yes, I know. Yes, Are you going to pack swimsuits? Yes, I am. Salma Hayek, you're the freaking best. You know, I know Insta has a long and glorious relationship with you, but, you know, the way that you come with such commands, you're so involved, you're so up for it, you're so passionate about what you do, and just please keep on because you make other women feel better. I'm so glad that you have this format for Insta. It's fantastic. I cannot get enough of this Insta. Thanks. Say it again. I can't get enough. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I can't get enough of InStyle. I'm obsessed with it. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savarese, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99.